They want me to get rid of my dog. Can they do that? I'm being fined for leaving my garage door open too long. What are covenants? Do I have any rights? Help, I feel like I've left the American Zone. If you want the answers to those questions, join me, Shu Bartholomew, and my guests on The Commons every Saturday from 2 to 3 right here on WBR Fairfax Radio. We'll ask the experts and we'll untangle the truth about what's left of our property rights. On the Commons is a weekly radio show dedicated to discussing the many issues surrounding mandatory membership homeowners associations. Join us as we explore this relatively new world of controlled living, which includes condominiums, cooperatives, and both attached and detached single-family homes. Living in a common ownership development means giving up the American dream. It means giving up your constitutional rights and control over your most valuable asset, your home. Living in a homeowners association means leaving the American zone. This is On the Commons, and I am Shu Bartholomew. Radio Fairfax, joining me today on my on the Commons is Vicki McHale. Vicki is a manager with, I think she said, about 22 years' experience. So she's been watching this whole thing grow and develop over the years. She has a lot of insight, a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, and has graciously agreed to join us on the Commons today. Vicki, thank you so very much for doing the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and... I, we talked a little bit yesterday, so I think I have a feel for, for where you're coming from. But tell me, you've been, what, doing this for 22 years? Yes, I'm, I'll be entering my 22nd year, um, actually, in January, so longer than I'd like to admit. So, Well, we'll keep it a secret, right? Okay. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> so what have you noticed? How How have things changed over the years? Oh, gosh, things have changed dramatically. 22 years ago when I got into this industry, uh, people there was more of a choice. So for every non-HOA, there, there was an HOA. So people actually had the choice to buy into whatever lifestyle suited them best. And over the years, uh, you know, local city governments, they, they no longer – will approve anything other than a homeowners association. So the ability for homeowners to purchase outside of deed-restricted living has really lessened. And I think I've seen a a lot of um, conflict escalate over the years because some people, they're not cut out for deed-restricted living or they don't want that style of living and they – almost go in with a bad attitude because it's not really what they wanted, but the choice is being taken away. I walked into the studio and ran into a fellow producer who was getting ready to do her show. And instead of saying, hi, Shu, how are you? She looked at me and she said, I hate my HOA. (laughs) (laughs) And so I talked to her for a few minutes, but I get that a whole lot because I think one of the things is that the board members don't seem to know what their limits are, and, and it certainly sounds that way because she was told that um, her board member could, told her he could decide what color she could do anything, and 
he had that decision. The fact is that they don't have that right. Their rights come from the governing documents. Well, absolutely. And a lot of times it, it, you know, discussing or finding out where that line is, a lot of board members either don't understand it or they don't want to accept it, and it's unfortunate. But, yes, the powers and authorities come from the governing documents or state law, um, some of it in the state of California. And um, But, no, I don't think board members should be out there, you know, telling people they could make these decisions um, on their own. Yet they do, and the homeowners don't realize, they don't understand you know, when, when I talked to her and I said, well, what, what do your governing documents say? What are those? So homeowners are not as savvy, perhaps, as they should be? I, I think that's a part of it. I think homeowners, because of social media, um, are becoming more savvy. But I think there's so much information out there um, that sometimes it's a little overwhelming for them also. And then also a lot of times, um, you know, I always say this, what, one Bible, 2,000 different religions. Uh, <laughs> some, somebody could read something in the governing documents and turn around and, and take away something completely different from what they just read. So it's really an education process. And, you know, to be honest, I think most people, they, they buy a house, or, and they want to make it a home, and, and they're busy, and they really don't want to spend the time to read all of these documents or, or be involved in the politics of the HOA. So a lot of times the education doesn't even begin until they're unhappy about something. And then it's a crash course. And then it's a crash course, and, and then emotions are involved, and um, that's when things start to spiral. Has that changed a whole lot um, from when you started? Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what, there, there's always been some discourse and conflict within HOAs, but 22 years ago, it wasn't even close to, to what we have right now. And I think a lot of that is, is even though people weren't as educated in the the laws back then that govern HOAs, it was a dedicated lifestyle choice. So, so they kind of went in knowing that they didn't want to see see cars. They liked Fifty Shades of Beige, and you know, so they they were more in tuned with what they were purchasing into. Yeah, you you called it the beijing of America yesterday. Yes, where everything was sort of the same color. But it's interesting because over the years you've had these fad colors and associations have been built with this one palette. And if you go back to the early years, the 70s, where everything was avocado or it was uh, brown or whatever, and then you could not, it was actually in your governing documents, everything had to be this, this horrible brown or this horrible avocado. When you go into these associations or the, these developments now, they're so dated. You walk in and you think, oh my God, the 70s are back. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> at the time I started, everything was, was teal and taupe. Um, yeah. So I have not run across any CCNRs that ha have specifically said you have to have this color palette, but I have dealt with, 
getting people outside of their comfort zone. As a matter of fact, one of my communities, they're looking at close to a million-dollar project, and as part of the project, it's painting, and they haven't changed their colors in 20 years. And, of course, the homeowners are kind of up in arms because who likes what color palette? So now the board's saying, well, it would be easier if we just kept the colors the same. And I'm sitting there going, no, please. (laughs) (laughs) It's dated. It's dated. It's horrible. Let's move forward. Well, there's, you said that you haven't seen that. I have. And we have, uh, there's an association, a huge association, uh, not far from where I live, called Burke Center. And they have what they call Burke Center Brown. And there was this paint number, and it had to be a certain brand, and it had to be that same number. So you went into this store, Heckinger's, and you asked for this brand and this number, and they knew exactly what you were talking about, and so they gave it to you. Problem is, the store went out of business, and I don't know that you can get that particular brand of paint. So now now this Burke Center Brown is um, sort of taking on different shades of, of brown. I guess I guess you could call it that. But I always wondered how they could actually get away with specifying what store to go to, where to buy it, and how, you know, what color. You know, that that's a new one on me, and, and I'll just have to say, um, you know, what what's written into the governing documents is written into the governing documents, and I, I've seen, you know, a couple of cases where, you know, people have challenged that, and, and the courts have upheld it. Um, hopefully, in this day and age, I, I think as as developers are hopefully becoming more savvy, they're not quite tying boards' hands that way. Um, you know, it just it, it's unfortunate because in order to change that, you have to change the governing documents, and and that's expensive and time consuming, and a lot of times you you can't get the quorum that you need so so you're kind of stuck with with uh brown yeah well i i would imagine that um if it's no longer available and nobody could make the color at that point there a case could be made to pick another shade of brown i don't know <laughs> i i know that's the whole thing and then you get and then you get these people who look at it and they go no that's just a tad lighter or a tad darker. It's not quite the same color. And you say, wait a minute. (laughs) Let's let's move on from this. But now they're making them, the the houses that they're building now around here anyway, look like uh, Joseph's coat of many colors because they're just putting every color on there. (laughs) Well, and I have seen that quite a bit. And I've got to tell you, my knowledge base is, is pretty much limited to the state of California. I don't go outside the state because there's humidity and cold so yes but i have noticed even here in california they're starting to come up with um uh more interesting palettes almost um an army green and 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 a red and and a yellow and and um even some communities where they're going in they could be attached townhouse or what have you and they're using different color palettes on on each of them so I, I think that's I, depending on whether or not you like the palette that that may be a little bit progressive in you know toning down the beige. Well, they're building them right next door to the studio, 
and they are townhouses, and they're started at seven hundred thousand, and they've got different different colors on the same townhouse. So it's you know when I say that the house looks like Joseph's coat of many colors, I'm not kidding. <laughs> So we're getting away from the Beijing, and we're getting into a little wackier lifestyle. You wrote, and one of the reasons I called you is because you wrote an article said the sky, the title "The Sky Is Falling," and I was very impressed with that. And when we talked, you talked a little bit about uh, why you wrote that. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah,、um, you know, I I wrote that because. The recent legislation within California, they just had legislation that、um, ties the board's hands in disallowing homeowners in their private gated backyards to、um, have clotheslines. And it was funny because everybody who was paying attention knew it was coming, and it it was chaptered into legislation and. Um, California officially became the right to dry state, and I thought that was kind of funny. That you know, how did they miss that in our Bill of Rights? You have a right to dry your clothes in your backyard, <laughs> and、um, I had to laugh because people were going crazy, board members and 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 friends and fellow colleagues, and it was this. Oh my goodness! What's next? We're going to see bloomers for as far as the eyes can see, and what are they going to do? Next thing you know, people can park on their their grass and and you know throw old appliances in the front yard. And I, I was sitting there going, "Oh, I, I thought this was a good thing," you know.、Um, but it, it's very indicative of our industry, is because we have been so regulated for so long, and and we kind of fall into these traps that. Whenever new legislation comes out, several years ago it was signs, flags, and banners. All of a sudden, the state of California came in and said, you know, with, within within limitations, people have a right to put signs, flags, and banners on their property. And again, it was the sky is falling. Oh my gosh, there's going to be signs everywhere, and and you know how how do we build rules around this so that the community doesn't, you know, just just look like a circus and Then they did it with、um, solar energy installations. They, they've also done it for electric vehicles, and so every time this happens, there's the sky is falling mentality. And within six months to a year, nobody even remembers that that this didn't wasn't always a law. And so my my point in writing it was. Come on, people! It's a clothesline. It's not the end of the world. It's it's not going to reduce property values. And the reality is, is probably less than five percent of community members, if that many, will put up a clothesline. So why are we? Why sometimes we're just our own worst enemies. That's why you're on the show, Vicky, because I really like that line of reasoning that you have. It's true that you're going to have. I'm thinking, yeah, I would like to be able to do that, but I'm not going to schlep heavy laundry up and hang it up. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for me, I got to tell you, it was a little bit self-serving because I have a a、um, king size bed with a, a big down comforter on it. So every time I want to wash this thing, I have to schlep it over to the the laundromat and. 
use their their heavy duty machines and by the time I wash and dry it it cost me about 45 bucks so I wow. thought oh this is great I'll I'll put up a line for that <laughs> so. and it's not the end of the world it's really and truly not the end of the world no it's and, not. And, and you know the other thing um, when we were talking I thought that was an excellent point you were talking about somebody driving into a neighborhood and seeing a bunch of people sitting there having a drink and kids playing and they think great there are kids in the neighborhood this is where I want to go because they have kids um, and then you pointed out that you might have some older people who may not want to live with kids. You know, they've, they've had their kids. They, they just don't want to deal with that anymore. But the thing is, it gives, gives people an option. It gives people a choice of where they want to go and how they want to live. So if everything's behind closed doors and nobody can see anything, how do you know you want to live there? Well, and you know, I, 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 you mentioned it earlier. I call it the Beijing of America. Um, and from a marketing standpoint, and and as I said, is if I drive into a neighborhood and there's a bunch of kids playing and there's a basketball hoop and I've got four kids, wow, this is a great community for me. But if I, you know, don't have kids, don't like kids, and I drive in and I see this, my, my first thought is I want to get the heck out of this community. So I think when I say the Beijing of America is if everything is the same color and you don't see trash cans and you don't see cars and, and you, you don't see people and everybody's in their backyard, when you drive in, your focus is on the homes and the price point of that home because there's really nothing there to excite you or or um, anger you towards that community. So I think from a marketing standpoint, it, it's kind of brilliant um, because it does bring everybody down kind of on the same level uh, at the same time is if you go into this community, you might not know if it's, it's family-friendly or what have you until after you've already purchased. So that's what I say when I say the Beijing of America. Um, it, it's, it's kind of making everything equal by making everything the same. I agree with you. Um, fair housing laws prohibit, um, prohibit realtors from answering the question, are there any kids in this neighborhood? And you're not allowed to do that. No. If you're if you're a, a, a realtor and you're showing somebody a house, the answer is, why don't you go in during the day and find out if you you know look for yourself and see if there are any kids. So the thing is, you want people who are going to be happy, and I think you're going to see that you're going to reduce the number of issues and problems. If you're moving and you have people who don't like kids and all of a sudden, once they're there, they've got kids playing in the field behind them, they're going to get on the board and they're going to plant trees in that field to prevent the kids from... No, this, this really happened. This well, really happens. I can tell you from experience, and I've been in a few communities where... Um, especially here in California, and probably where you're at too, because very high property values, is um, they 
and the city approves it, they build condominiums now because that that's more affordable housing yes. in the state of California, especially for first-time home buyers. And 20 years ago, condos were where people just starting out or retired people kind of, of went to. And traditionally, not a lot of children um, in these communities. And now, because it, it's the most affordable style of living in California, you're starting to see these communities with a lot more children in them. But what has also happened is in trying to get the biggest bang for their buck and the city's approving it, the the places are closer together, the common areas are smaller, and there's not a lot of place for the children to play. And what happens is, is you get into these areas and the noise echoes. It echoes really loudly and then the kids end up in the street and so it it does create some problems and and it's unfortunate because where are these kids supposed to play so the next thing you do is you have homeowners complaining because of all the noise the bikes and the skateboards and the kids out there playing you know tag or what have you and the board all of a sudden starts trying to you know come up with rules and regulations to avoid the noise um and, and pretty soon it's, you know, they're, they don't like children or, or they're against children. So a lot of times just by virtue of the genetic makeup of the community, it's not very kid-friendly. So why aren't the developers and the architects talking to you, Vicki, before you know they develop that? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm absolutely serious. I've said that for years. If everybody would just listen to me, everything would be fine. <laughs> but the thing is, nobody listens to anyone. That's the problem. Nobody listens to anyone, and that just creates a whole lot of hate and discontent. You were talking about kids. Some developments will have these little tot lots, so they'll have things for little kids. And so the parents take their little kids to the tot lot, and the kids go down the slide, and they have the swings, and they have the jungle gyms, and the kids are playing, and the moms are sitting there talking or doing whatever. But the problem is when some of the older kids come in and decide they want to play ball or they want to play as well, they're shooed away by the mothers of the small kids because they're afraid that having um, 12-year-olds play football or play any kind of game there is going to hurt their kids. So now you've got the 12-year-olds who have no place to go. Nobody likes basketball hoops, so you're not allowed to have basketball hoops. So then you've got the 15 and the 16 and the 17-year-olds who have nothing to do and nowhere to go, and they're all living way too close for comfort, as you pointed out. And nobody takes all of these kids into account. So what are the kids going to do? They find other things to do, and they get into trouble. Well, We had had one kid who used to go and set the woods on fire. Oh, jeez. You know, I mean, but there was nothing for the kid to do. I mean, nobody ever thought about, hey, where are these kids going to go? Well, you know, and, and I can say in in defense of of that age group, and, and I don't know what the answer is, but I can tell you when I was growing up in Ohio and we didn't have homeowners associations 
and and back then we had public parks and public pools and facilities um, because that's what your your city did, and so you had a place to go. But there is kind of that age group in between where you're you're too young to play on the ju- or you're too old to play on the jungle gym, but you know too young to be out, uh, you know, going to the movies by yourself or, or walking the mall or whatever people do at that age. So I think it is a problem not only within homeowners associations, but, you know, just traditionally. But I do understand what you're saying because, you know, that's one of the first things. Why are these teens hanging out in the tot lot or, you know, why are they loitering? And um, Because there's no place else for them to go. That's the harsh reality. I bet you when you were growing up in Ohio, you had a backyard. Oh, well, and and that was another thing. In Ohio, we had backyards and we had no fences. Yeah. (laughs) So we would go in the backyard and, you know, except for Mrs. Smith, you you knew you weren't allowed on her yard. You just played all darn day. and, And, yeah, things were different. And, you know, nowadays, you know, the kids, they're, they're inside playing Nintendo. You don't even see kids out playing nowadays, which you is don't. kind of sad. <laughs> and, and it is sad because, A, there's no place for them to go. There's no, I mean, if, if you did kick them out, where are they going to go? There's no place for them to go. They're going to be on the sidewalks. We've built no, you know, we're building with no um, houses with no front yards. You're right on the sidewalk, and the sidewalk's right off the street. You've got cars. There's no... There's no safe place for them to go. I have a guy who's got um, who's been calling me for for years now, complaining because I mean he's an older guy. He owns several patents, but he says when he was a kid, his father helped him build all kinds of things in the backyard where you know he was able to experiment and try things out and build things. And his friends could come over and they would they would do things. Um, all of a sudden, if you have a backyard, you're not allowed to build them because you don't get permission. You know, it, it just goes on and on and on. And there's no place for the kids to go, and there's nothing to stimulate their creativity. There's nowhere they can go and just try to build, um, I don't know, a, a racetrack or, you know, anything that the boys want to do or anything that the girls want to do. We used to, we used to build houses tree houses. We used to build um, houses out of pine needles. We used to put on all kinds of things, but you're not allowed to do that anymore because you're going to devalue property. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a sight. You know, ultimately, I, I have to work within the needs and the desires of my clients. And, and unless it's illegal or immoral, I, I have to follow that and, and whatever in their governing documents. But I've been fairly lucky. I mean, I, I think I've said this to you yesterday. I have had board members that should be running Fortune 500 companies, yeah. and, and I've had a few that shouldn't be cleaning the ice cream machine at McDonald's. Which led me to say I would not <laughs> eat ice cream at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> have 15 hour days and sometimes you don't get to eat until nine o'clock at night that that mcdonald's ice cream tastes pretty good (laughs) (laughs) um you know i 
I don't know what the answer is. I know there's a lot of conflict. The from what I've seen, just from California legislation, um, there it, it's really funny because city governments are forcing people into HOAs, and then our state legislators are, are trying to legislate their their way out of you know what what's kind of been created. And I see a lot of control um, issues being addressed. Like I said earlier, signs signs, flags, and banners, electrical charging stations, uh, clotheslines. So um, a lot of them are starting to take control away from the boards. Also, um, secret ballots, um, the, just the way that a board has to adopt or amend a rule is, is, has changed tremendously. So I think the legislature is slowly but surely kind of, it, at least in California, neutralizing associations. And, um, you know, sometimes they do it very, very poorly. Um, and the manner in which they do it increased costs so much. Um, you know, a lot of the legislation really impacts assessments. Um, but they're, they're trying to do something. So I, I think it's only a matter of a few years you're going to see a lot less control um, in terms of enforcement uh, in, in boards being taken away. In some respects, I think you're seeing the controls because the powers have been abused over the years, and you've heard some real horror stories. And one of the examples that we used when we were talking yesterday was the fact that in places where you have droughts, um, you know, the local municipality, the city or the town or county, whatever, will impose these water restrictions. And that means you're not allowed to wash your car, you're not allowed to water your yard. You end up with a dead yard or dead grass. And when you have associations that insist on grass that is so thirsty that it's just absorbs the water like a sponge and keeps crying for more and all of a sudden you stop watering it because you're going to get fined by the city if you do water it then you end up with the association fining you because you have dead grass so you kind of caught in the middle and you can see where something like that would escalate and would require some kind of um, legislation. Well, and, and we actually have that in the state of California, not necessarily legislation. Legisla well, actually, we do have legislation, but we also have, you know, a mandate from, um, I believe it was the governor, that, that said, no, you, you can't find people or in the middle of a drought. You can't find people for not watering their yards. Um, you can require them to maintain it and keep it neat, but, you know, in, unless it's a safety hazard, you, you have to be careful. And so boards have been trying to deal with that is where is that line between, you know, not watering your yard and, and saving natural resources or, or not bankrupting yourself when you're paying, you know, um, over $5 for an HFC of water um, and, you know, keeping a, a safe and neat yard. And, and so most of the boards have been, you know, they kind of went off the deep end in the beginning. But for, again, now that people are used to it, they're they're getting better about it. So, 
So these are all things that are due to abuses over time. But a lot of the problems, I think, Vicki, have to do with design. And you have a developer who comes in and wants to absolutely maximize their profits. So they will build as many units as they possibly can because that's what they're selling is the units. Correct. And the open spaces, the common areas are not going to give them any money and they're not going to produce any tax dollars for the for the local municipality. But the thing is by cramming people on top of each other and by designing it so poorly that it creates these problems, wouldn't it make more sense, I think, to sit down with someone like you who's seen it, who's had to deal with the results of the poor planning, who's had to deal with trying to find something for the teenagers to do or finding some place for the older kids to go. We don't want them sitting on the couch playing with their iPads or whatever games they're playing. You know, the kids are getting heavier. They're not exercising. They're not getting any fresh air. They're not running around. That's what they're supposed to be doing, and we're making it very, very difficult for them. I think it's probably a cause and effect of that, and and you know it it would be nice because there are things that um, you know I think if the the developers went in and and talked to managers or even talked to some of their past clients, they would get a, a better idea. Now I'll, I'll tell you, you know that here in the state of California, forty percent, the first forty percent of the cost of the home is nothing more than um, recouping all of the governmental requirements, all of the, the different tests that have to be done and, and, and the improvement of the, the city infrastructure in order to get those permits to build. And so um, at the same time, absolutely, they're trying to maximize their, their profitability but they couldn't do it if the city didn't allow it. And, and so I think the city is just as culpable, um, if, that, if that's the right word, yeah. as, as the developer in that, you know, they're allowing these places to be built um, with people living right on top of one another and streets so narrow that you can't, you know, park something a vehicle on the left or the right and, and have room for a, a vehicle to get past. Um, so, yeah, that that's really a problem. And the condominiums especially, the common areas have gotten much, much smaller over the years. But I can tell you, also managing condominiums that are 20 and 30 years old, they initially built these communities with huge common areas and, and large roads and, and a lot of um, open space and parks. And I can tell you that the cost to maintain those facilities is extremely, extremely expensive. So on, on one hand, the smaller communities, you, you, you can get your arms around it more and maintain to a higher standard, where these older communities, 
they're struggling. You know, you, you might have 200 units that are built on 25, 30 acres of land and, and trying to maintain those common areas. So it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. But, um, you know, personally, I, I think I'd rather pay to have some room than to, to be shoved in <laughs> to such a small space. You, um, I, I'm really amazed that 40% of the cost of the house goes to the county or the city or the local municipality for permits and all of that stuff. Well, not just permits, but also environmental studies. This is California. I don't know what it's like where you're at, but, um, you know, before you can even get started, there there's all the tests for are there any um, protected bugs or birds or, or what have you and, and you know, all just all of the different studies and then, you know, the, the developers come in and the city, this is this is a gold mine, let me tell you. The city comes in and says, Well wait a second, before you build these homes we need these streets widened or, you know, we're gonna need another school, so you need to donate land for this. That's the profit you have the proper system as well, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, not only is the city making out on the the um, tax revenue, they're also getting a lot of times millions of dollars worth of city infrastructure updated or built. Um, so yes, that, that first, the, the um, Building Industry of America did an in-depth study, and that first 40% is, is nothing but trying to recoup their costs for all the studies and all of the infrastructure they had to build in order to be permitted to build. So. Um, that has to come off someplace, and, and whether it's building more homes and reduced space or increasing the price of housing, you know, it's they're, they're in business to make a profit. Wow, that's, um, yeah, I mean, we have the proper system over here, and in fact, the development I'm in, which is, which is old, so we do have a little elbow room. We've donated um, a high school. We've donated the land for um, for a uh, an elementary school that has not been built yet. There was land that was donated for um, a, a roadway that was never built, and three parks, two or three parks that were donated as well. And all of that had to be donated to the county before the developer was even allowed to start moving the, sh the fresh shovelful. I thought that was just local. No, that, well, I know it's here in California. I imagine if they're doing it here, they're doing it everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, that, so that's a big, huge chunk of money that's going to the county. I know that you have to have permits to do anything and it's just money. Buy a new refrigerator. You need a permit. Buy a, you know, all of that stuff, and you have to go and give the county money. They don't do anything for it. They just allow you to buy it. Well, I know here in California, Proposition 13, which is, was approved back in right. the 1980s, it limited, um, it used to be the, the tax base on homes was reassessed every year, so as property values went up, the, the city um brought in more income and what proposition 13 did is they said they limited that and so your tax base was just based upon your home at the time you purchased your house 
And so a lot of HOAs and, and um, restricted living has the, the city figured out that this was their gold mine. This is, was their way to offset um, Proposition 13. And they've gotten pretty darn good at it. As a matter of fact, I was talking to one of my friends who's a developer, and she was fit to be tied because not only did they have to build in the infrastructure and do everything the city said, but they also had two bus stops outside of the community, but it was written into the governing documents that the HOA assessments had to maintain these city bus stops because the homeowners might um, um, use use those they might gain benefits so now not only are they paying for their own infrastructure now they're taking care of bus stops so um it, it it's it's really uh quite interesting the the way this is um morphing into pretty much hoas not only supporting their own infrastructure but also city infrastructure it's sort of the bottomless pit, isn't it? It it really, really is. And, you know, I I would suffice to say just probably a good 30 to 40% of the assessment base is just administrative, just just making sure you follow your annual legal requirements and, and, and your management and all of the things that you have to do in order to remain in compliance and that goes up every time they change a, a different law or put another restriction in place it it costs homeowners more money so yeah where does it begin and end because you're you're paying taxes and your benefits are absolutely reduced but at the same time you're, you're paying more on top of that to maintain infrastructure within your own community that a lot of it used to be maintained through your tax dollars. Right, trash removal. Of course, we have snow here, so snow removal, trash removal, street maintenance, um, lights, street yep. lights, all of that is on our is, is up to the homeowner. But we don't have a Proposition 13. So they do reassess us every single year, and they do increase our taxes every single year. And then they turn around and they give themselves a $20,000 increase in pay. So you sort of wonder, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when, are, when are homeowners going to say, uh, that's enough? That's well, enough. Yeah, I, I think they're starting to say it. The, the, the part that's difficult is, is that homeowners can say enough is enough, but if they want to purchase a home and you're limited to non-deed restricted living, what are you going to do? And, and, and where are people going to go? Because the opposite end of that is, well, I could become a renter it's almost cheaper to become a renter in this day and age but oh wait the homeowners association has limited rentals because renters bring down property values so what, I, what do you do i think we're finding here that a lot of the buildings that are being built now are rental apartments which you know at some point when the market changes and when you know, when people start buying more, all of a sudden those are going to be converted to condominiums. So you're going to end up with what Tyler Birding from from California says, is you're starting off with um, 
an older building you're starting off with no reserves and you're turning it all over to the homeowners to maintain so it, it, there's some serious problems here aren't there Vicki well there are some very serious problems I, I don't necessarily know how to fix all of the problems but I do know it I don't know what the alternate choice is. Um, you know, I, I was, before I got into HOA, I was in the United States military. I was an air traffic controller for 10 years. And I'll tell you what, you know, being in the military, you, I, I come from regulation background. You know, there's a rule for everything. There's a chain of command. Um, and a lot of times... Things sound great on paper, but how they play out in reality is completely different. But I will tell you, I, I don't know what we can do to make things better. Um, I, well, I can tell you a few things we can do to make better, but I don't know what the alternative is because I don't think homeowners associations are ever going away. Um, as a matter of fact, if they did, you'd have city cities that would just go bankrupt. So I, I think it's just going to continue to be a metamorphosis in, until we can find something that the majority of people can live with. Well, I think I, I don't know about California, but I can tell you about Fairfax County. The government just keeps growing and growing and growing. Every time I turn around, they're building these massive buildings and you know that we're paying for that, that upkeep. And I'm not sure that we need all of that. Some years ago, they decided that they were going to centralize government. So all of the buildings they had, all of the offices they had all over the county, all of a sudden, everything went into one central location. The problem was they weren't serving their constituents. So then they went out and they built even more localized offices in the district. So, and, and now they keep building more, and they build more, and they build more. And you wonder, do they really need all of that? And then they actually vote themselves huge, um, huge um, incre uh, salary increases. And you think the people who are paying these salaries are not getting 20000 A lot of them are making less now than they were five years ago. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, I think if there's anything in our country that needs restructuring, it's our government, both both from the federal and the state level. It's, um, you know, government regulation and, and their, their uh, e-ticket ride just, write our own check is is really out of control um you know you said you don't know where we're going or how we're going we have one association here and i love to talk about it old bell haven in alexandria virginia that went bankrupt going to court being stupid um abusing their power trying to enforce things that were unreasonable they didn't have the right to do it just just being nasty. And in Virginia, the law is that the prevailing party may be entitled to costs and fees. And the homeowners, I mean, it was years worth of litigation. The homeowners won every single case. 
and the association would appeal or they'd do something and so they'd go back to court. And they actually ended up um, bankrupting the association because the board just insisted on going on and on and on. And so once that was done, the homeowners got together and what they did, they decided they didn't want the association, but trying to extinguish it was not, was not easy to do. So the association exists. However, they gutted all of the powers of the association. So now you didn't have one neighbor who had more rights than another neighbor. You didn't have one neighbor who could find you, who, who knew everything about you. So what happened was they were on an equal footing. They still, all the reasons they had the association in the beginning for the benefit of the government still stand. The association exists. They still pay assessments. They have one some some land that they maintain that you know all of that is done but in terms of all the other stuff it's all gone they don't have an architectural control committee there are no restrictions and what happened was pe with no restrictions people started improving their property replacing roofs that they were not allowed to replace and property values actually went up but the greatest thing was it went from being a war zone to being a community where they all get together and they celebrate holidays. When it snows, they go dig each other out. I, you know, and, and they thank each other with these really nice gifts that they get and they send out. So that may be something we might want to consider. Headed towards that way, as I said, I, I see most legislation coming out limiting control of the board. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting because we are in a metamorphosis. There's just so many things changing. With I, we were a small cottage industry 22 years ago. Nobody was was ready for the the explosion of growth, um, and, and then to make it worse, nobody was was ready for the the recession that that just put more problems on top of it but i i do see um that either the associations themselves or or the legislature is slowly but surely taking away some of these control issues so you know maybe that's what that maybe that's what the future will look at look like in 5 10 20 years from now i don't know what one thing um, that you have to deal with that you think absolutely is a waste of time or you absolutely hate? Oh, well, I think, <laughs> I, I think most managers will tell you. Um, it, in some instances, it's a necessary evil, but we hate more than anything, I, I think. I know I do, sending out violation letters. Um, you know, it it's... Th Sometimes they are necessary, but for the most part, you know, I, I think we just absolutely cringe. As a matter of fact, when we're driving through the communities, a lot of times we're hiding, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody likes to send violation letters. Nobody likes to get them, at least most of the managers I know. I don't know. Um, 
so yeah, that that's the one thing I I absolutely hate to do are are sending out those nasty letters and you know part of it again legislature it's the goal of a an enforcement letter is, is there's several one you want to call it to somebody's attention and and you want to get them to fix it and and so in the past before legislation gave us all of these things that we had to put in it we'd say hey neighbor please don't do this blah 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 please fix it thanks a lot love management and the board um and and nine times out of ten it would get fixed um or people would just ignore it and they'd ignore it and they'd ignore it well then legislature came out and says you know, you have to send them a letter and you've got to tell them what to do, you know, what they've done wrong and tell them where to find this rule, which is great. It makes perfect sense. Then you got to give them a reasonable time frame in, in which to fix this. And, you know, reasonable is, is perception a lot of times. But then you got to tell them what happens if they don't fix it. So right off the bat, that, that nice letter says, you know, you've done this wrong and this is where you can find it. And you've got, you know, two weeks to fix it. And if you don't do it, we're going to fine you and, and send you to, you know, HOA jail. And so right off the bat, the, this person's getting a letter, probably after a horrible day, and, and we're telling them you're not good enough and fix this or we're going to fine you. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate. But I, I think that's the, the one thing I hate to deal with more so than anything. So I think when you said you're driving around hiding, you're looking at obvious infractions and something that's really big. Because in my email to you, I said something about, would you rather do this or be on your hands and knees measuring a blade of grass? And you wrote back and said, I can honestly say I've never done that in my life. (laughs) I've never done that. And, And, you know, I've even gone through, because after you've managed a community for a while, you, you kind of know your trouble spots. So if I'm driving through a community and all of a sudden somebody's yard is overgrown or, or looks, you know, not great, I'm not necessarily going to send them a letter because I know every other time I come in and, and the yard's perfect and it's beautiful. So I assume maybe something happened. Maybe they went on vacation or, you know, maybe somebody's sick, something. Um and so I'll wait until the next week to take a look at it. And nine times out of ten, by the time next week rolls around, it's fine. Um, the problem is, is when you have the, I call them the HOA police, that they're out there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so-and-so's yard looks terrible. Well, you know, Mrs. Smith, it looks it looks nice 51 other weeks of the year. Can we give them the benefit of the doubt, you know? Or, or um, you know, once in a while you have the I caught you um, board members that they look at your log of the enforcement letters you you've sent and they they start playing I caught you oh you didn't get this one or you missed that one or why didn't you get this one and and you know the reality is if I'm in your community once a month I'm I'm probably not going to catch most of these things so you know it's enforcement is tough it 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 really is tough and you know a lot of these things. Uh, People start regulating to the point where, you know, somebody lives in a community and they can't even change their flowers or, you know, the, their curtains have to be a certain color in the back. And, you know, a lot of it, it just, it, it's very, very nitpicky. And those it are is. the communities, I think, where people have the, the highest amount of dissatisfaction. 
Becky, thank you so very much for joining us. Please check out our website at onthecommons.us. On the Commons is produced by OTC Multimedia Productions. Well, I finally bought my dream home to enjoy retirement life. I've made new friends and buddies, lots of parties for my wife. It seemed that life was perfect, all my neighbors felt the same. Then along came death by CCRs, life's over, I'm fair game. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Now there's lots of open meetings close to Justice 4HO. Those arrogant board members say what they want you to know. The CAI and ULI will help you lose it all. But I wouldn't sell that dream home yet, the writing's on the wall. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Well, we're not afraid or stupid. All your threats mean nothing here. Time marches on, soon you'll be gone. United, we'll be there. So put your rules and CCRs up where the sun don't shine. And enjoy those precious golden years, stop messing around with mine. Those petty rules and regulations, it's enough to make you cry. They're full of woes, no pink flamingos, someone tell us why. Slick managers and lawyers slither close, but they won't tell. Why our dream home should remind us, we bought a one-way ticket to hell. Why a dream home should remind us We bought a one-way ticket to hell